no one in my family has been a member of a Greek lettered organization before. So I knew like this was something I wanted to wear on my back with pride. Little did I know the fruits of this lifestyle started to manifest quickly. My drinking increased a lot. My smoking increased a lot. Fornication increased a lot. And I guess being on a college campus too, that environment is just, it's heavy in that lifestyle. So every time we would be like, oh, where's the next function? Where's the next party? We're going to this bar. We're going, we're going to hang with these guys. And it's like, for this to be Christian based, we're doing a lot of non-Christian things. My mom and dad took us to church. Um, again, I'm Nigerian, so religion is a big thing in our um, culture. But none of us were actually saved. So there wasn't really the guiding light of Christ in our household and how to behave and things. I wasn't super rebellious. I wasn't um, like a big troublemaker. But yeah, I just kind of lived like a lukewarm life. So then things got crazy when I got to college. College, I started making different kinds of friends. They started introducing me to smoking, partying and liquor and all that stuff and like fornication and things like that. Even with all that going on, I still would try to live righteous and go to church and just be good, but I still didn't care truly about Jesus. And in my college experience, I went to two universities. I started off for two years at one school, and I ended up two years at another school in Baltimore City. And once I transferred to that school, that's when things really got intense, and that's where um, the sorority life came in. And just as an educational piece, fraternities and sororities are usually like college campus organizations where people join them for various reasons. The organizations, they have missions and visions and activities and things of that nature. Coming into this college campus, I didn't really have friends because I transferred my sophomore, I transferred my junior year. So I started off junior year at this university. Everyone's already in their friend groups. They have their cliques, their clubs and everything. And I was just a loner. I picked up a job. So I would go to class, go to work and then come home. And then I think one day I was sitting in my apartment like, I'm about to finish college in a year. I need to do something impactful. I need to become I need to be a part of something impactful. I can't keep doing this the rest of my college life. So honestly, it may have just been like the pride in me that was looking to do something that I knew would bring me attention. I knew would put my name out there. I knew it would get my face out there. The first thought that crossed my mind was um, SGA, which is the Student Government Association. And at the school I went to, if you were on SGA, that was, it was kind of like a big deal. Like you were part of the homecoming planning committee. You were part of the groups that planned the campus parties and stuff like that. So I joined SGA, but I felt like it still wasn't enough. And I was like, I need another thing to really boost my collegiate career. So I had a friend who I went to middle school with, and she told me about this sorority that um, was having... I think she called it like an interest meeting. She was like, yeah, they're having an interest meeting and I'm going to do it. And I think you should like join too. And I was like, hmm, sure. Like, I guess this is what I was looking for. So I went with her and um, we we went to the meetings. We went through some of like the pre-preliminary processing with like getting people's numbers and staying in contact with certain like big sisters. And that's kind of how the process started with joining and entering into the sorority. But even outside of that, I was still living 
just doing what I wanted to do. I had more freedom. So, and my mom gave me a car. So I would drive to Virginia, I would drive to DC. I would just drive to all these places for what? To like party and to, you know, just live a little reckless. But it really got intense once the sorority life started to kick in. Now, before you move on to uh, talking a little bit more about that sorority life, were you hearing God at all in this time as you're starting to explore more into the world? Or was it just like your heart was completely closed off? No, I wasn't hearing God at all. My heart was very closed off. Um, I was a very carnal. I was a very worldly girl. I was very into like trends and things. So I've always had this um this compass inside of me, like this moral compass that would say, that's good, that's bad, like don't do this, you should probably do that or stay away from this, but not necessarily the voice of the Lord where it was like discerning good and evil. So a lot of what I did was just my own version of righteousness, not necessarily the voice of God. Yeah. So talk to us about, uh, uh, lead us into that sorority life and, and, and what you began to experience in that life. Yeah, so um, upon entering, and this was in fall 2016, the fall, yeah, it was, it started, the process started over the summer, but once school started, I started to hit the ground running with that process. It was really, a lot of it was very secretive. It was a lot of hush-hush, and you're not allowed to say this, people aren't allowed to see you past this time, you have to be at this location, you have to wear these clothes, you have to do this with all of your There were pledges at the time, but now they were like, oh, you're sisters. It was a really dark process, but I knew that the Lord wasn't in it because my drive to complete the process, regardless of what was done to me and what I experienced, my drive was notoriety. My drive was not necessarily fame, but, you know, that inner elitism, I guess is the word, to be known and to have the paraphernalia, which is like the clothing that has the letters and the colors on it. So, um... The process itself was, it was just dark and I knew God wasn't in it because a lot of it was very ritualistic. A lot of what I found myself doing and what they had us do was symbolic of occultic practices and idol worship. And just to shed light on just one example, there was this one night where um, my sister, my former sisters and I, we were in this room and we were kind of in a circle And in this circle, we had candles and there was like golden bowls, like doggy bowls, by the way, like in front of all of our faces. And we were saying, we're repeating a lot of like chants and um, it was just a lot of chanting and repeating this and saying that again. And one of my old line sisters at the time, she jokingly said, oh my God, this feels like a seance. And in my head, I was like, yeah, this feels like we're summoning, like summoning some spirits or whatever, but being again veiled ignorant not saved none of us really cared because we just wanted to complete the process to be in the organization so badly so you know we shook that off but that was a common thing that would happen you know we would do certain rituals and practices and kneeling and i'm like looking back i'm like wow how did i not see this but at the time i was just driven by pride and all of the earthly gain that came from it so After I finished the process and became a member of the organization, there's something called a probate, which is the campus ceremony of the people coming out. And what they mean by coming out is because during the process, you kind of go into hiding. Like people don't see you on campus for a while. You go straight to class, you come home, you 
you're just encouraged to be hidden. And then during the probate, which is like the revealing, that's where you come out. And during a probate, it's like there's flyers that go out, people get really excited. And then what happens is the big sisters of the organization are now revealing who the new members or the little sisters or the neos are. And, the, and a neo is a neophyte, which is someone who is newly like a baby member of the organization. And um, during a probate, basically they're revealing who the newest members are that just joined this fall or this spring, whatever the semester was. After my probate, that's when I was officially a member. I wore, I had the jacket, I had the line number, I had like 13 or so line sisters. And at the time it was very celebratory. It was um, like, oh wow, congratulations. And people were so happy for me. And I felt it. Like I was like, yeah, I just accomplished something. I did something great. No one in my family has been a member of a Greek lettered organization before. So I knew like this was something I wanted to wear on my back with pride. Little did I know the fruits of this lifestyle started to manifest quickly. My drinking increased a lot. My smoking increased a lot. Fornication increased a lot. And I guess being on a college campus too, that environment is just, it's heavy in that lifestyle. So every time we would be like, oh, where's the next function? Where's the next party? We're going to this bar. We're going, we're going to hang with these guys. And it's like, for this to be Christian-based, we're doing a lot of non-Christian things. And when I say Christian-based, I mean the organization that I joined is considered a D9 organization. D9 stands for Divine Nine, meaning that in in a hist another historical piece, so the nation's history with sororities and fraternities, it dates back a long way, but a lot of them were exclusive of um, African-Americans. So then along the 1900s, there were nine different sororities that sororities and fraternities that kind of came together for this purpose of including African-Americans, and they became the Divine Nine. So the organization I joined was considered a D9 organization. So the lifestyle that came with this organization, it, it just wasn't of God. And I thought it was ironic because a lot of the D9 organizations, they would they would call themselves Christian-based. Mm -hmm. A lot of them would say, oh, all of our organizations are founded on Christian principles. And that's what I used to soothe myself with when saying, yes, this is of God, this is okay. Because the practice books and the rituals and things, they would always talk about God and they would mention something about an eternal spirit. But me being ignorant, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. So Jesus has to be in this. So... But to kind of fast forward, the fruits of the organization and the lifestyle that came from it, there's no way <laughs> that eternal spirit was the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the life that I lived after joining. Yeah. Now you went through a process uh, where one, the Lord began to draw you in, God began to draw you in and, and begin to reveal to you what was happening in these organizations. Yeah. Um, but there was also a, a fighting that you had to do in yourself because you were so involved with this life and, and you believed that this was okay. Yeah. Can you just take us to that process of God encountering you and really just beginning to uh, lead you into, into the light, essentially? Yeah. So my encounter actually happened once I graduated college and moved back home. It was an encounter where God showed, started to show me things, but it was also the ultimate encounter that also led to my salvation. So it's kind of a backtrack. I graduated college in spring of 2017, 
And then the first time I felt a conviction was around December of that same year. Um, I remember it was a Saturday night and I was at one of my old Profite's house and there was a sleepover. Oh, and sorry, a Profite is like one of the big sisters that bring you into the organization. I was at her house with some of my line sisters at the time and we were having a sleepover and it was very ratchet. Like we were drinking, again, smoking, eating, just being ridiculous. So then that Sunday I come to church and it's the same childhood church I've grown up in, same pastor I've had, never was convicted with anything before. But this time he says, in the midst of his preaching, he was talking about how there's people who don't know God. He was like, and you know, some of you guys in here, you think you know God. And I don't know why, but that made my heart. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm one of those people who don't know God. And if I did know God, instantly I started thinking about what I did last night at the sleepover. So I made the decision in my mind, like, okay, God, I'm going to be intentional to know you. And I did it to the best of my ability, still not having the Holy Spirit to help me. I was like, okay, I think getting to know God is like going to church on time. So I started going to church on time. And I was like, okay, it made me feel better. But I'm like, I don't know if that's it. So between the month of December 2017 to about April 2018, I was doing a lot of earthly works of trying to be good and trying to make sure I knew God. Um, I started watching more YouTube sermons. I started trying to read my Bible a bit. Yeah, I started listening to more gospel music. <laughs> um, I just tried to do good. I tried to be righteous on my own strength. So that kind of what now led up, I guess God saw me being serious and then he was ready for what I call the Big Bang Encounter. And this Big Bang Encounter was in May. And in May, I remember... Um, it was the, oh Lord. So I have a friend, she's a friend now. Um, at my fr the first school I went to, she was my RA at the time, which is a, I think a resident assistant because I lived in the college dorm. And she was basically the one who made sure, you know, we kept the bathrooms clean, we took out the trash and things. So when I left my former university, I hadn't talked to her since. So then I see her on Instagram this day one random day in May, and she's posting a flyer about how she's going to do an Instagram live on how God took her out of a sorority and how God set her free from bondage and all of this stuff. Now, I remember her probate as well. I remember when she crossed into the organization and I was like happy for her. I was excited. I knew it and I just loved it. So then when I saw this flyer, I was so confused. I'm like, God delivered you? You were in bondage? I'm like, but I'm in a sorority. Does that mean I'm in bondage? But I knew something. I knew God was moving because the flyer made me very uncomfortable. It made me, I didn't know what I was feeling at the time was called a, was a conviction, but my heart just kept like, I felt nervous. I was like, whoa. And then I would just scroll past the flyer and like, you know, everything would go back to normal. But she shared this post on Instagram for over a week. And the flyer was very, um, it was very interesting to me because on the flyer, it had a picture of a man's arms like this, as if it was chained. And there was ropes around his arms. And in the flyer, like the ropes were releasing his arm. And that image too was, it kept jumping out to me. And I'm like, there's no way I'm in bondage though. Like, this flyer is really bothering me. So every day, I mean, it was literally Monday to Saturday, I kept seeing the flyer and it, it started making me angry because I'm like, mm, leave me alone. 
But still, I was like, you know, whatever. I'm not going to watch that Instagram live because maybe she just had a really bad experience. So on Saturday, she now drops the date and time. She's like, I'm going to go live on Sunday at 7 p.m. and I'm going to share my story. So I was like, okay, she's going to go live at 7 I'm going to go to sleep and take a nap at seven. So I'm not tempted to watch this. So I did that. And I wake up around like, (laughs) I woke up around like 9, 10 p.m. And I remember just being relieved because I don't think Instagram had the save your live feature at that time. So I knew it was going to be deleted and gone. But then I wake up and apparently they made the update while I was sleeping. (laughs) And they're like, oh, you can now save your Instagram lives. I was like, no way. I get on Instagram. And her live is the first thing that I see. And I'm like feeling just that pressure again, but even greater. And I think it was the first time I heard the voice of God, but something, I kept calling it the voice because I didn't know it was God at the time, kept telling me to watch her video. And I was like, no, I don't want to watch this video. And then I felt something again tell me to watch it. And I'm like, who am I talking to? I didn't know who I was talking to. I was just like, no, I don't want to watch it. Please, I don't want to watch it. So then eventually after wrestling, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll watch it. And I go click the video to watch it, but like it kept freezing. So I told the voice, I said, hey, I tried to watch it and it's freezing. So I'm going to go back to sleep now. I did the obedient thing. And then I went back to sleep. And then around like 3 a.m., around 3 a.m., I felt a hand like squeeze my heart and I jumped out of my bed and I thought I lied to you not I thought I was either having a heart attack or I thought I was dying or something I just remember like laying in my bed going like this trying to check for a pulse and I'm like my heart was at this point beating out of my chest and the only thing I kept hearing as I was awake was go watch her video go watch her video and at this point I'm talking back I'm physically talking back I'm like no no I'm not gonna watch the video no, you're not going to make me do it. So I'm tossing and turning. And I forced myself to go back to sleep thinking that I could sleep this thing away. Part of me still thinking I'm crazy. Part of me not sure if this is God or some thing up there in the atmosphere. But whatever it was, I told it no. And I eventually forced myself back to sleep. And then this was all on a Sunday night breaking into Monday morning. So then that Monday morning, I wake up and I thought everything was going to be peaceful I wake up and what felt like a hand at first on my chest turned into an entire presence sitting on my bed. And at this point, it's like I couldn't see anything with my physical eyes, but I'm like, someone is sitting here on this bed. And the only thing this person kept saying was, so are you going to watch her video? Are you going to go watch her? I'm like, what is in this video that's so that you, whatever, whoever you are, you want me to watch this video so bad? And I I just remember um, my heart just kept feeling heavy and was pounding so hard. And I'm like, okay, if watching this video will make you like leave me alone and let my body go back to normal, I will watch this video. So I watched the video and lo and behold, she's just telling everything about her testimony, about how she joined a sorority and how it was in ignorance. She realized it was not of the Lord, how God had opened her eyes to the truth and a lot of the spiritual things behind like the oaths and the covenants and the history. I remember in the end of the video, she says, if any of you watching this are in the sorority or fraternity and you you say you love God, but you were just ignorant, she says, the Lord is going to forgive you if you just repent and walk away. And right when she's about to go into the prayer, I remember I cut off the video. And I cut off the video and I just I sat in my room in silence for a long time. 
And then the voice spoke again. And it was like, so what are you going to do? I was like, what am I going to do? You just put all this information in my face. I'm in a sorority right now. You just, you basically just told me this thing I'm doing is not from you. What am I supposed to do? I knew in my head I had to leave, but it was just a lot going on. This is my first real encounter with God and God. And it wasn't those like sweet testimonies or people like, you know, Jesus like swept in and took me off my feet. It was like, Jesus confronted me about this membership thing that I'm in. And I thought I knew Jesus all along, but I didn't. So um, the whole day I was like, my hand was like this. My whole body was trembling because I'm like, I just never felt God this close, this real before. So um, immediately I texted two of my close um, former line sisters at the time. And I said to them, I said, hey guys, what do you think, what would you say if I told you that um, I was renouncing the organization? And educational piece, to renounce the org means to declare that you are no longer a member and to not have anything to do with them anymore. So I remember when I texted them in the group chat, I said to the Lord, I said, all right, God, this is when I started to think like, I think this is probably God now. <laughs> so um, I said, God, depending on their response, if they're a, if they're fine with it, I'll take it as a sign from you that this is you and that I will leave. But if they're like, what? No way. This is not God. Like, what are you doing? I said that I'm just going to like brush this off as best as I can. And I'm going to stay. And surprisingly, the first one who responded, she was like, Valerie, I know you've been on this journey with God. I know you've been trying to walk with the Lord. I completely understand if you want to leave. Um, like, I just hope that we can stay good friends. I was like, wow. Okay, cool. The other one, she responded. She didn't want me to leave. Like me and her, we were good friends too, but um, she too was understanding. So I took that as a sign from God, like, all right, Lord, I guess this is what we should do. The rest of that Monday, mind you, this is all still happening on one day. This is now Monday morning. Um, the rest of that day, I was just racking my brain on like, still trying to fathom and understand and comprehend what's happening. I'm like, am I really leaving this organization? I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of sacrifices to be in this thing. And one night of an encounter, I was just ready to walk away but I'm like, I need to, God, you have to make this make sense to me. So I spent the day just seeking counsel. I wasn't really well-versed in scriptures. I didn't really have spiritual leaders like that in my life to reach out to for help. But this just needs to make sense to me, Lord. So I reached out to um, one of my pro fights who was also in it. And she was also Nigerian and she was also a Christian. So I was like, this is perfect because I knew if anyone could help me make sense of this, she would understand. But she was also in the organization. So ironically, I went to church to meet with her. <laughs> she was on the choir at her church. And when I told her this thing, I was like, yeah, girl, this is the encounter I had. This is what the Lord is showing me. I think God is telling me I need to leave because I have not had peace since that encounter I had. And I need, I came to you to give me counsel. Am I crazy? Am I out of my mind? Or like, what do you have to say to me? And as she begins to speak and give justification, all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't hear her anymore. And we were sitting side by side. I remember I looked and I'm like, God, why can't I hear her? And then like the Lord now starts speaking to my ear on this side. And he says, don't listen to her because she's been deceived too. And I was just like, Lord, I think I was just so, I was so, uh, I don't even know the words. I just remember being so shocked because I'm like, God, you followed me here 
you know, I came here to get some counsel from this woman that helped me in the journey. And you followed me here. You told me not to listen to her. So at that moment, I knew all I had was God. I was like, the Lord is not allowing me to have peace from anyone's counsel that's telling me to stay. People were like, Valerie, are you sure you're not overthinking? Are you sure like this? Are you sure that? I'm like, I only have peace in what this voice will now God is telling me to do. So, um, and and before you move on from mm -hmm. there, uh, this voice that you were hearing was it an audible voice? Was it something that was just in your in inside of you that you couldn't explain? Mm -hmm. How were you hearing this voice? So it was it was more so inside that I couldn't explain. It was so sharp internally though that it could have been audible. But if it was audible, I definitely probably would like jumped out and like gone crazy. But it was just such a sharp voice on the inside that it, I knew it couldn't be me because I wanted to stay. But like the reasoning and justification and the voice of the other was telling me just, no, you cannot stay. I'm calling you out, I'm calling you out. And I'm like, but why? So I remember, um, after I left meeting with um, the girl at church, I came home and I ran into my sister, my younger sister, and I was telling her, I said, girl, you won't believe what just happened to me today. And this is your actual sister. <laughs> yeah, this is my actual, my blood sister. So I'm telling her, you, oh my God, you can't, you won't believe what just happened. So I'm telling her what happened. And she too, she wasn't saved at the time, but I learned that you have to be cautious of the counsel that you get because not all counsel that makes sense is from God. And my sister said something to me. She was like, maybe what you're doing is just adopting the convictions of someone else. This probably isn't even you, Valerie. You're fine being in the organization. You were fine before you watched the video. This is just someone else's conviction. And for two seconds, I felt peace. I was like, you're so right. I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy. I love my sister. Like, thank you so much. But then it came back. It was like, no. I was like, wait, why did why didn't why where's the peace? Where'd the peace go? And I knew God was saying, that's not it, and that's not true. So I remember um I went to my kitchen and I'm just like pacing back and forth. I'm like, you know what? I'm not living like this anymore. I'm gonna put an end to this today. I was like, you know what? Fine. I was like, I'll leave. I'll leave. That's okay. I'll go. But then I started thinking in my mind, I'm like, what will I lose if I leave? Like, okay, God, I spent all this money, this and that. I'm basically trying to like outweigh the, the pros and the cons, you know? Okay. I'll lose friends. I'll lose this. I'll lose that. Okay. But what do I have to gain? And I'm just going back and forth with myself in the kitchen trying to think. And then the Holy Spirit interrupts my thought and says, what do you have to lose? And I started, I stopped and I started thinking, I'm like, what do I have to lose? And it was like in that moment when God asked me that question, everything I thought that was valuable in the organization and that came with that lifestyle became nothing to me. I was like, wow, I have nothing to lose. So all of, <laughs> all of a sudden this joy came on me because I thought I, what I was about to do was such a heavy and hard and difficult thing. But when God asked me, what do I have to lose? Everything that seemed important or that seemed to hold weight just be it was just vapor you know it just became nothing so it made it so much more easier for me to renounce so i went back to instagram and i went back to the live that the girl did and i went to go watch the prayer of renunciation she said at the end and i remember i went to the my mom's basement to say i don't know why i went there actually but i just felt led to go to my mom's basement and i said the prayer and odd enough, when I finished the prayer, I broke down crying. And I was like, 
why am I crying so much? But then it started to cry as if like someone had died. Like you ever grieved over a loved one or something? And it's like, I'm crying and I'm crying. And then what kept coming to my mind was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I remember I kept apologizing. I kept saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I didn't really know um, what I was apologizing for at the time. I just knew like something in me knew what I was a part of was not pleasing to God. And I just kept saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So after maybe I was down there for like an hour saying, I'm sorry, uncontrollably, I got back on my feet and I felt so light. I felt so I felt free. Honestly, I just, I don't know what took place in the moment of that prayer and that crying and just the apologizing, but I got up and I felt free. And then after that, the rest of May, and mind you again, this all was in one day. This all happened on a Monday. <sighs> after um, I finished crying, I got up from my mom's basement and I just started planning how I was gonna tell the rest of my former line sisters and just whoever else was involved that, yeah, I'm not in this anymore. The Lord is calling me out. This is not where he wants me to be. He's not pleased with me in this. So I'm just gonna leave. That's when the Lord started to open my eyes and dreams started to happen. And like, at the time I was telling people um, when they would ask me, they're like, Valerie, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? I'm like. I'm leaving because God is telling me to. I really don't have the scriptural language and the spiritual knowledge to explain all of this. Even with what the girl shared with me um, through her video, I didn't have like the capacity to understand the language and she, things she was using. I just knew the conviction. I knew the Lord was telling me leave. But it was after you know I surrendered and you know did what the Lord wanted me to do. That's when. Um, I guess he saw fit to start teaching me and showing me like, this is what I was saving you from and this is what you were part of. So after I had renounced and told my former line sisters and all parties involved that I was leaving, that's when the the growth and the revelation started to just pour in like a flood. So that's kind of how that process went. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that, of, of your life after Jesus, mm -hmm. right? How did Jesus come into your life, begin to impact your life? It was rough at first because I was also facing now backlash from leaving. People who were saying like, oh, we're sisters for life and we'll be down forever and blah, 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 blah. Because I made a decision to forsake the old and go follow Christ. There was like some people were calling my phone or like texting my phone, like cussing me out and stuff. And I'm like, all I had was Jesus. Now I'm looking at him like, Jesus, you you were the one that told me to do this. And now I'm you know, experiencing all this backlash. I need you now more than ever to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother because I didn't have anyone. Most of the friends that I had came through or the connections or whatever I had came through my association with the organization. So in that moment, Jesus more so introduced himself to me as first my deliverer, but then also my friend because I didn't have anyone else to be my friend at that time. I didn't have anyone else to really explain this to and talk this through with. So um, that's definitely how Jesus kind of started off with me. And then when it now came into like the space of revelation and just opening my eyes to things, I started to dream a lot more. And a lot of my dreams were um, basically God showing me the spiritual aspect of what I was doing and what was going on. So I would have dreams of myself pledging and things. Um, there would be moments, not in the dream, but in real life when we were going through our pledge process where we had to do this like arm gesture with our arms, like kind of locked up like this. And I remember I had a, God had gave me a dream after, um, 
I had left where in this dream, I see some girl who looks like me, but her skin had looked like she'd been set on fire. All of her looked like she had just been like burned in flames. But in the dream, she's going and holding her arms like this. And then on the other side, there's... um three women who look like profites, who again are the big sisters in the organization, they too, their skin were like set up on fire and they were burned. And in this dream, they were yelling at the one whose arms were like this. And it was representative of um, kind of what would happen during our pledge process, because in reality, we would, you know, have our arms like this. And then some, there would be nights where our profites or big sisters or whatever would be yelling at us and it would be chaos and craziness and confusion all like in the dark. So one thing God showed me through that dream was like this stuff that you were doing, it had spiritual implications. It wasn't just a, um, you know, a for fun thing that you see on TV. This thing is real life in the spirit realm. So that was definitely one of the revelations that God showed me that it kind of calmed me down and made me not feel so crazy because I would think about um, just the different people who also claim Christ that are in these organizations and how they justify it and say it's okay. And I'm like, well, Lord, then what is it about me? So then when God started to show me dreams and start leading me in scripture, I said, okay. It just was a test of how much do I believe in the word of the Lord versus other people's opinions and the opinions of man. So once that started to come in, I felt more I felt more closer to God, honestly, because it's like he's sharing with me his heart. He's sharing with me his mind and his opinion. And when he would share these things, I, it made sense as to why I cried so hard um, when I said the repentance prayer, because when the Lord started showing me um, scriptures in like Ezekiel and Jeremiah about how Israel dabbled in idolatry and how they went to serve other gods and one thing God highlighted to me was his response. You know, he would tell Israel, you know, I, before, like I formed you in your mother's womb before I knew you, I did all these things for you. I took care of you. I saw you laying about in blood and I said, live. And just all these things where God did for people who didn't really care for him and went to go serve other gods. But he's like, all I wanted was to be your only God. So when I think about um, just life in this sorority that's why I cried because I finally understood like God was saying to me like Valerie I wanted to be your only God I didn't want you to go find gods in um organizations and sororities and fraternities I am your all in all so it was in those moments through the revelation of what God would show me after that I just felt more closer to him I felt more like in his heart so yeah that's kind of how that went hmm. yeah Valerie as now you begin to walk with Jesus, how did that affect your relationship with uh, your parents? I know you said that uh, um, you guys were go to church, but it wasn't, you kind of just knew of Jesus, but you didn't really know him. So as they begin to see, uh, you know, their daughter essentially walk in this different way, and, and now you're obviously receiving all this revelation that may they may or may not know. Yeah. How did that affect your relationship with your parents and what did they think about everything that was happening? It helped with my relationship with my mom because having the heart of Christ helped me to see her as just another human being who had, you know, her own issues and things growing up. Um, sometimes I used to have this like animosity towards her and towards my dad just because of, you know, parenting things. But 
after, you know, coming to Christ, it made me more patient with her. I was more understanding. I tried my best <laughs> to be loving regardless of her flaws and shortcomings. And in that, God was actually really great. And he started to mend our relationship. More so my mom than with my dad. My dad wasn't really with us for most of the time growing up, but really with my mom, it's like she would see the way I would behave. She would ask me, where are you going? And every time she asked me, I was either going to like church or a Bible study or a worship concert. And she, <laughs> I guess she didn't really understand why all of a sudden I was doing this, but she wasn't against it. She, and I really think this was the Lord because um, she allowed me to she rarely ever questioned me when it came to these things. Even when I would come home late from revival nights and stuff, she would ask me every now and then, like, you're not going to the club or you're not going to a party. I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm not going to any of that. So even with coming home late, she never, I honestly think it was just the Lord just breathing on our relationship because it made it so much easier from as compared to before Christ. Like we used to fight a lot. We used to yell at each other, and I was really dishonorable towards her. Even though I, I said earlier I wasn't a rebellious child, which I wasn't for the most part, but I didn't honor my mom as I should have and the way I do now. So um, coming across really helped my relationship with her. My dad, on the other hand, because he wasn't as present growing up, he didn't really get to see a lot of me in the flesh, walking again with the Lord, but more so virtually or digitally like he, we're friends on Facebook. We'll talk on Facebook or um, we'll talk on WhatsApp and things. And I'll send him scriptures to encourage him. But I know he noticed the change because before when I would call him, I would just always yell at him for his shortcomings and you did this and you were never there and blah, 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 and just all this stuff. And now it's like now having the heart of God for him, it's like, you know, I'm praying for you. I understand you tried. I understand, you know, this and that. But even right now with him, I'm believing for his salvation. But what God has taught me about spiritual things, I can see the hindrances and the ungodly things that's been kind of navigating his life and how he was just a victim of circumstance, not really someone that had a free will, but more so, you know, the enemy doing what the enemy does. So, yeah. Valerie, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is truly my savior, like the true definition of save your, saving me from myself, saving me from the curse of the law, saving me from not just hell, but just he saves me. He saved me and he continues to save me. Like, I wish I could put more words to how I feel it, but Jesus is truly my savior. When you see a lot of things around you that should have swallowed you up and should have taken your life. It's like, whoa, Jesus, you are my savior. Even dating back to um, my naming ceremony situation, Jesus, you are my savior. Like, I wasn't, I didn't have to be named in a living room on some, you know, apartment. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you saved me and you gave me just, he's just my savior. So, mm. yeah. For anybody that's watching your testimony, Valerie, who, are currently in that battle that you were at some point of, uh, they were in a sorority and now some things are starting to shift or they feel there's conviction. What can you say to, um, to those people watching? If there's one thing I could say, I would encourage, I would encourage them to follow the voice of truth. Um, the, there's many voices that try that try to counsel me this way, try to counsel me that way, even me of myself. But it was the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit, that led me in the direction that I should that I was supposed to go. And he gave me peace about it. So 
not to worry about, you know, what you're going to lose or what is people going to say or, you know, what family line you come from, like, oh, your mom was one, your dad was one and all these people, but just following the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth and also gives us peace for our obedience. So Mm. that's what I would leave them with. Now, Valerie, for people who know people who are in a sorority and maybe those friends don't know about the darkness behind this Mm -hmm. life, to those friends who are worried for their friends and who are watching your testimony right now, what can you, what is a word of encouragement or a word of advice that you can give to those friends? I would tell them to pray. Prayer works. Prayer works works, prayer works. Um, little did I know it was actually someone praying for me that led to that whole encounter. I didn't know until after, but I would encourage them to pray for God to open their eyes, pray, just become the intercessor on their behalf. And um, the Lord will answer, the Lord will honor those prayers. And you'll start to see a shift in your friend's heart about you know their membership in that organization. Hmm. Yeah. Any last words? Last thing I just want to mention is The things of this earth are very temporary. Nothing, all the glory that's on this earth that is promised to us and the beauty of things, it's very vain and it's very temporary. The only things that matter are the things of the kingdom of heaven, which are eternal. So that's where all of our efforts should be put towards.